0: Start with a question you can answer silently. What do you think is the most important thing we could do in order to grow in Christian faith? Think about that for a minute. What's the most important thing we could do in order to grow in Christian faith? Going to church? Reading the Bible? Praying? Serving the poor? Giving generously? Living morally pure? We're gonna come back to this in a moment. We're in the middle of a series called John on Jesus, where we're looking at the second half of a biography of Jesus, as told by one of his closest friends and followers, John. We've arranged this series around three loose categories. We started with some reactions people had towards Jesus. In a few weeks, we'll look at the amazing reversals that occurred at the end of the book, namely, Jesus' reversal over death through his resurrection. But right now, we're in a little section of the book that describes conversations Jesus had with his closest friends and followers the last night he was with them. It's a series of conversations spanning John chapters 14 to 17, and we're spending several weeks on it, one theme per week. This extended conversation took place during the last supper Jesus shared with his friends. So immediately after this conversation, Jesus will be arrested, tried, and crucified. Aside from a few comments on the cross when he is dying, these chapters are his parting words to his friends. And as such, they are a window into the deeply personal relationship he has with them, as well as what he believes they need to hear in order to endure this difficult time ahead. Our section today addresses not how we come To faith in Jesus. John addressed that last week, but rather how we maintain that faith, that divine connection with God. It's a timely topic given that he's just told his friends in chapter 13, verse 33, I will only be with you a little longer and where I'm going, you cannot come. So if Jesus is going away, how then are they to maintain this connection they have with him? Often, the Christian life is referred to as a journey, or to use a running analogy, it's a marathon, not a sprint, and the two involve very different strategies. It's a long obedience in the same direction, and since it's a lifelong journey, it's worth us pausing and considering Jesus' words to his first disciples, and by extension to us too, how we can maintain this divine connection. Now, if you're here today and you would not consider yourself a follower of Jesus, I invite you to listen in on this conversation anyway, because it's very possible that it may either clarify some questions you have or address some frustrations you have with Christianity. In the passage we're looking at today, Jesus uses a metaphor to communicate his point. So I'm going to have those images on the screen as I read I'm going to put the words up a little later on, but for now, I want to encourage you to listen to the passage and look at the images as I read from the word of the Lord from John 15, verses 1 to 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I see four images or four kinds of people in this passage, and I want us to look at each of them in turn. Most likely, we will experience nearly all of these images at various points in our journey. So we'll need to be able to accommodate to these different needs if we hope to continue growing throughout our lifetime. The first image or kind of person is the connected, fruitful branch. The vine and branch metaphor is particularly meaningful to those first listeners. In the first century, the vine was one of the most prized plants. In their two-season climate, with rainy seasons followed by long, dry seasons, water was unreliable. Thus, vineyards were important for producing wine. What's more... Jesus has just held up the bread and the cup of wine and said to them, this is my body which is given for you and this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood shed for you. It is in that context that Jesus makes this bold claim in verse five. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Think for a moment about a vine and a branch that bears fruit. The fruit-bearing branch must stay connected to the vine. It must draw its nourishment from the vine. It's utterly dependent on the vine for strength and nourishment. If it's cut off, it won't grow. When it stays connected to its life source, it bears fruit. What Jesus is talking about here is a mutual indwelling. He in us and us, we in him, whereby we are nourished and we bear bear fruit by being joined in him. And this is something we continually do. Step into ongoing union with, as one translator explained. Or as the message puts it, live in me make your home in me as I do in you. In the same way a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined in me. Jesus is claiming we cannot grow without being connected to him because he is the source of life. Or to put it another way, we will only yield fruit as we stay rooted to him. You and I can grow and bear fruit, but only as we stay joined to Jesus. So, how do we stay connected to Jesus? There are lots of ways, but this passage points to just three by listening to his teachings or engaging with the Bible, by talking with him or prayer, and by obeying his commandments. Let's look at each of those briefly. We stay connected to Jesus by listening to his teachings, which for us means engaging with the Bible. Look at verse 3. You're already clean or forgiven because of the word I've spoken to you. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words in you, and later on in verse 15, everything I've learned from the Father I've made known to you. Jesus is warning his friends that in just a few short hours, they will no longer have his physical presence with them. Instead, they're going to have to rely on all that he did with while he was with them on earth. They're going to have to rely on his teachings. And we must do the same. We must continually put Jesus' words, or in our case, the Bible, before us on a regular basis. We must stay fluent in his language. But we are also to stay connected, but we can also stay connected by talking with him about what we're doing or praying. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words and you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Sadly, I think we missed the point of this verse. The verse is not intended to give us a secret password in Jesus' name that we can use when praying in order to manipulate God to get what we want. Instead, Jesus is teaching us about the importance of talking with him about what is on his heart, what he wants for us. And as we do this, the kinds of requests we make are sure to be transformed. The point he's making here is that a primary part of staying connected to Jesus is talking with him. Third and finally, the connected fruitful branch stays connected by obeying his commandments. I didn't read this verse earlier, but verse 10 says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. We show our love for Jesus and our deep trust in him by agreeing that he knows the good way to live, by submitting our will to his. Some of you here today are growing connected branches, and it is beautiful. I've heard some amazing stories in the last several weeks of fruit growing in people's lives, of anxiety and anger dissipating, of addictions being overcome, of relationships being restored. We celebrate this. But maybe for some here today, the image of a fruitful, connected branch is convicting. Maybe some of us here today who are still connected to Jesus just don't feel very fruitful or effective. Perhaps we resonate with the second image Jesus describes, the connected but dry, withering branch. Verse five describes a sharp contrast between these branches. The one remaining me, that one, will bear much fruit. Separated from me, you can do nothing. This is the great challenge of growing in our faith. Whenever we engage in any habit in order to grow spiritually, we do so with the goal of deepening our relationship with a person. At its essence, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. Christians are not primarily people who live by a certain ethical code or ascribe to a certain set of beliefs. Beliefs and lifestyle are involved, to be sure, but at the heart of the Christian faith is a person, Jesus Christ. Christians are people who've become so enamored by Jesus so won over by his love and grace and power and brilliance that we decide he's worth following. So whatever forms of devotion or practices we engage in, reading the Bible, praying, going to church, giving, serving, whatever, all have this as their goal, staying connected to Jesus. To the extent that those activities help us stay connected to Jesus, they are useful and good. To the extent that they hinder our connection to Jesus, they either need to be shed or engaged in differently. All these practices are simply the means to an end. They are not the end in themselves. Now, before you get too nervous, for some here, establishing a habit of spiritual disciplines like reading the Bible or praying or worshiping regularly is still new and you need to stay the course. I would encourage you to talk with someone about how to do that. Commit to it and then do it regardless of whether you see fruit or not. These activities have a great potential to lead to fruit and I highly recommend them. But others here may need some tweaking on our habits to ensure that they are indeed facilitating that connection with Jesus they're intended for. One of my favorite mentors in spiritual growth once told my seminary class, if you're tired or bored with some aspect of your spiritual routine, chances are God is too. It's possible for our spiritual practices to become dry and lifeless over time even if they were at one time meaningful. We should not assume that one spiritual practice will fit us in every season of life. Life has too many seasons, challenges, and surprises. We must have an approach to spiritual growth that is flexible and adaptive. In following the sustenance metaphor, let's use the illustration of food for a moment. I have no doubt that the basic building blocks of carbohydrates, fats and proteins, Bible, prayer and community will always factor somehow into our disciplines. But how those are eaten or the combination in which they occur can vary quite a great deal. Meditating on just one verse or intense studying of several chapters, times in community, times in silence and solitude, times of fasting, times of feasting, times of confessing sins, times of submitting to others' input or discipline or authority in our lives. The list is limitless. The point is that whatever practice you are doing, do it with the goal of staying connected to Jesus. Now, sometimes this involves doing the same thing differently. Many, many years ago, when I was a college student, I found myself stuck in the rut of reading the Bible. I was reading lots of textbooks for classes, and I felt like reading the Bible became reading a textbook, just skimming it for the pertinent information. I didn't want to stop reading the Bible, so instead I tried adjusting how I read it. I put reminders in my journal. And am I simply reading a book or am I listening to a voice? I would read it out loud sometimes because reading out loud slows you down and it forced me to hear it differently. Just a few tweaks and my reading of the Bible became more prayerful, more personal. And I continue to make tweaks today. Sometimes this involves doing something new. When I was in seminary and working at a church, I became challenged by the idea of keeping Sabbath. I had never done that before. I thought it sounded weird and something old-fashioned. But after my study, I decided that might be something I, as well as the church I was a part of, could benefit from. And as is the case when we start any discipline, I was clunky at first. Uh, It took a while to get into my rhythm. But eventually, I figured it out. And that practice drastically changed my relationship with God and my relationship with others. It bore fruit in ways I could not have predicted. And I've practiced Sabbath at various times over the years. Not always. Just as relationships are fluid and organic, so too is our life in Jesus. So let me ask, are your current habits helping or hindering you in staying connected to Jesus? How can you tweak an established habit or creatively engage in a new one that will lead to life and vitality? And let's help our fellow branches in this. I hope there are many conversations among friends or growth groups or other groups you're a part of to explore this idea Jesus promises he will help us with this if we would just ask. He says in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. May that be so for us. There's a third image I would be remiss not to mention, and that is the cut off branch. Verse six If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Jesus' use of the vineyard branches is accurate even to this detail. First century dried grapevines were good for nothing. Unlike cut-off tree branches that could be used as building material, vine branches cut off from their source dried out and were burned. Now let's be clear. (laughs) These verses are not intended to scare connected branches that they will be cut off. The Bible repeatedly assures us we can have confidence in our faith. Rather, they are a warning that what we choose to do with the person of Jesus matters. And equally important is how that decision to follow him has a bearing on how we live our lives. If you're here this morning still exploring what you think about the person of Jesus, I wanna encourage you, keep doing that. Spend the time and energy you need. Read the books you want. Talk with people to get answers to your questions. If Jesus really is the true vine and offers life, don't you owe it to yourself to spend some time exploring that? And you are welcome here as you do so. We want you here. The fourth and final image or kind of person In this passage, is the branch being cut back or pruned? John uses a wordplay here in verse 2 we miss in English when he describes God, the master gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he cuts back so it will be even more fruitful. Talk about counterintuitive. Cutting back a thriving, fruitful branch. Expert horticulturists tell us that pruning is in fact necessary for growth. Even though there is growth, it must be cut back in order for more growth to occur. The branch needs guidance, channeling its limited resources and energy if it is is going to produce maximum fruit. And here we find a great paradox in our own lives If we don't bear fruit, we're cut off. If we do bear fruit, we're cut back. Not the message I want to hear. Either way, it's cutting and it hurts. One writer said, a possible encouragement in this picture for some disciples, it is not encouraging for all disciples, is that some can look at their experiences in which they seemed or still seem to be experiencing diminishment, hurtful cutting back, severance, reduction in influence, and nevertheless, in light of our text, can say to themselves in hope, pruning, and so gain a whole new perspective, end quote. Now he went on to say that not all painful experiences can be written off as pruning. Poor decision-making, poor leadership, or just plain evil, are not to be regarded as pruning. We are still to take responsibility for our decisions and to acknowledge the broken world we live in. But there may be times when the master gardener in his wisdom cuts back, where real growth is not seen by others around you. Maybe you're experiencing pruning now. It's painful, I know. But let me encourage you, Never is the vine dresser so close to the vine as when he holds the knife to prune it. You and I can trust the master gardener. He has a steady hand. City Church, if we want to continue growing in Christ throughout our lifetime, our job is to stay connected to Jesus, to draw our nourishment and strength from him, Whatever activities we engage in to help us do that, going to church, reading the Bible, praying, serving, obeying, are all means to that end. They must all be subservient to that one goal. There will be different seasons for our growth. Times of fruit, times we are dry and withered, times of pruning. In each one of those places, we need only to stick with him. He'll grow the fruit he'll guide the process. How do I know? Because if you look at these verses carefully, every time Jesus invites us to remain in him, there's a corresponding phrase, and I in you. You see, his grace precedes our faith response. His love prompts ours. Jesus is both taking the initiative and extending the invitation. And then, as we'll see next week, he gives us the Holy Spirit as his divine help with this. Our 24-7, 365, unseen, guide, counselor, and empowering presence to help us stay joined with Jesus in vibrant connection. And as verses 9 to 17 tell us, because Jesus has already given us all that we need to stay connected to him we are already forgiven or clean we are already loved by him we have already been chosen and appointed by him deputized for his kingdom work he has already told us all we need to know he has already made us friends not just co-workers he's already given us his contagious joy and as we'll celebrate in a few weeks he has already sacrificed his life for us pouring out the fruit of his love so we might be forever connected to him. Make no mistake, Jesus will stay connected to us. The question is, will we stay connected to him? Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you that this is so true. You have rooted us in you, you have extended yourself to us. You have given yourself to us. You nourish us. You keep us close to you. And you long for us to do the same. May it be so. Holy Spirit, translate these words. Nudge hearts, put thoughts in minds now of how we may tweak our disciplines or engage in new ones in ways that will bring life and vitality Not just that we may have joy and bear fruit, but that your kingdom might come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.